Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert, here on the last day of November in 2016. That's November 30th, 2016. We're smack dab in the middle of Q4, and and all that brings to us who sell online, not just on Amazon, but everywhere. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about finishing up Q4. And then we're going to talk about what we need to do to prepare for Q1 of 2017, which is it's the nature of retail, whether it's online or in um, the brick-and-mortar world, that we have to, like, constantly be preparing for something. Um, in our case, this is the huge time of year crunched in, like, to me, a two-month period Um where everything just kind of goes crazy. So um, I hope all your sales have been good. Let me know in the chat how you've been doing. Um, Mine have been good, Um, as good as I could expect, really, Um, because I don't sell holiday-themed things. I don't sell toys. Um, You know, I don't sell perfume. I don't sell the typical gifty kind of items. So I'm happy with our sales. I looked yesterday, and I am up 30% over last year. So to date, so so the, comparing the two years, 30%. So I can't complain about that at all. Um, and um, I hit a couple milestones, and I'm going to make a, a big goal. So that's, that's really nice to see that, you know, Amazon's still ticking along despite all the problems. Um, my eBay's doing okay. It does as well for as little time I put into it, which is like next to nothing. Um, so that's my own fault that it's not doing better. And if I was a bit less lazy about it, I could make it better. So it, it's just that case of, you know, you get back what you put in. And I have not made a new eBay listing in I don't know how long. I can't remember the last new one I made. I'm just selling the same stuff over and over. So, you know, I spend a few minutes each afternoon packing the orders, and that's it, you know. And when I reorder for Amazon, I reorder from eBay because they're the same supplier. So, um, so yeah, so there you go. It's it's an interesting time. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what you need to be concentrating on between now and you know the day or two before before Christmas and and Hanukkah, which is on the exact same time, which is kind of nice. Um, so um, things you need to do is watch that you're not out of stock on stuff if you can get it back in. If you're ordering overseas and there's no hope in getting it back in, then that's kind of a moot point. But for me, a lot of my stuff, um, one of my big suppliers can get me stuff in a few days, um, and I can process it the same day and turn it around. So I'm pushing those products. I just placed a bunch of reorders this morning, so I'm not um, I'm not um, giving up on those. So you have to watch um, watch your reorder time and all of that. If you have stuff that is flying out and you are getting close to running out of it, um, and especially stuff where you have no competition, start inching your price up and see where that sweet spot is where things where sales slow down um, as you hit the price threshold for that product. Every product has a price threshold, and you just have to find it. So if you're at $17.99, you may want to try $18.99 if you're running out of product and can't get it back in and see what happens. There's no use leaving money on the table. Um, that um, I, I prefer to inch prices up and um, as opposed to big jumps. Um, Ron has a product that he just raised $4 um, last night because everybody else is now out of stock of it. And it's a product he sells regularly. So he kind of knows where the sweet spot is. And now that, that um, that everybody is out of it, he can he can get that higher price. So, um, 
One thing to remember, um, Martha posted in chat that December 2nd is the last day to ship and be sure your items are available for Christmas. Yeah, that's theoretically, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop shipping if you've got good selling products because you have to remember gift cards and then people buying for themselves. Um, so, you know, Christmas is over and January 26th rolls around and somebody's got a gift card burning a hole in their pocket. You want to have product there. You definitely want to have product there. Um, Jan- my January is actually bigger than December for me because I'm not a toy seller. So my sales in January come from people buying all the crafty stuff they didn't get for Christmas and people who got gift cards and say, oh, yeah, hubby got me a gift card. I'm going to get that, that new um, punch needle set or whatever. So, um, so there you go. Um, yeah, so – uh, up $25 on one item in stock and someone bought it, yeah, you have to, you have to know um, where, what you can do. And this is not a time to, like, set, set it and ignore it, like some people have said. No, this is a time when you have to be vigilant on stuff. It's, um, it's really important. I don't want you to leave money on the table. But conversely, if stuff is not selling it, you may want to come down on price or, as Amazon says, sharpen your price to get it moving. Um, this is not a time you want to be stuck with inventory either. So, um, yeah, Wendy's saying January and February are good months for her on eBay. And Ed, that's pretty dang awesome. He sold almost 6000 on eBay. Wow. Dang, Ed, that's fantastic. But good for you. Um, my eBay is not that good, so well done. And I don't have a full-time job I have to manage either, so... It's my laziness on it. So, um, so I would say that a lot of this repricing stuff is TV watching stuff to me. You know, you put something on the TV and you have your laptop or even your tablet there, and um, and um, then you can do the repricing. You know, it's not something that takes a ton of concerted thought and concentration, whereas for me, making new listings does. So, like, I can't chat with Ron while I'm trying to make new listings because, you know, I, I hate to say it, I've worked alone so long, me and the dog here, that it is very hard for me to work with someone else around. Isn't that weird how you just get so used to it? And, and even if, you know, it's the normal they're sitting at their desk, Ron's at his desk doing stuff and I'm at my desk, it's still I can't concentrate. It's the craziest thing. Um, that so so know how you work for me tv watching time is good for lots of stuff um that is what i call mindless stuff on amazon so um so there you go um ron works in a busy office so he can do like six things at once and working on a cruise ship where you have you know all the passengers asking this and trying to get photos printed and orders up and answering the phone and all that yeah he can do that you know he also i have to say um he can like fall asleep in 10 seconds because of that, because they had to catch sleep whenever they could. And so he can fall asleep really fast, which I find really annoying because I have a hard time falling asleep. So I find it really, really annoying. But anyway, um, you're Wendy. She can't wait for her husband to go outside so she can concentrate. Yeah, everybody works differently, you know, and that's why this business is so good for so many different people. Um, some people miss the the interaction from co- colleagues and coworkers, and in that case, I would suggest like you find a meetup group or something like that, and where you can go, you know, once a week or whatever, and chat with people. So, um, oh, Ed, yeah, Ed, plenty. There are times when my wife doesn't want me around either. Ah, yeah. <laughs> when you leave your quote junk all over the upstairs, right? <laughs> um, so anyway, pricing, don't get stuck with inventory, but don't leave money on the table. And this is where pricing is an art, not a science. It really, all, you can have all the data in the world, and, um, and sometimes you just have to know your gut feeling what you can push that price to. And that also comes from knowing your products. You know, I know where I can push something and where I can um, not, you know, um, I can certainly push prices on, on wool and cashmere yarn far more than I can push prices on wool yarn. You know, there is that perceived value, even though the wool yarn may be higher quality and the colors may be better. But that's, you know, that's knowing products and people and all that. So next thing about uh, prepping for Q1, I want to talk about 
And that's um, equipment purchases, supply purchases, stuff you can buy for your business. Um, do it now so you can write it off against your profits for this year. So if, you, if you're out of boxes or bags or tape, or you, you, know, you dropped your laptop and you're tired of working with the cracked screen and need a new one, um, this may be the time to do it. Now, I'm not an accountant. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a financial advisor, but I'm just saying that's what I do. So I bought a new laptop. Um, I got it about 10 days ago. It's pretty darn awesome. Um, not that there was anything, quote, wrong with my other one, but it was five years old, and um, I wanted a refresh. And I say I really, really love it. Um, so look at what, what you have in stock um, as far as supplies, equipment, all that kind of stuff. Uh, check with your your tax professional and um, see what you can get your business to buy. Um, Carolyn's asked me what I did with my old laptop. Ron got it. So everything goes down a, a, a line. So um, so he has it now. Like I said, there was nothing wrong with it. And he doesn't spend a lot of time on the laptop like I do. I do 90% of my work on a laptop. Um, the only thing I do on my desktop upstairs is the actual processing stuff. But, but ordering, um, reorders, customer things, reports, all that I do on the laptop because my house is a, um, our house is a, got the master bedroom on the first floor, which is great when you're on crutches and stuff. Um, and so I just like, I like sitting on my bed with my laptop working. I know it sounds crazy, but I am like I'm more efficient doing that than I am sitting at my desk. Don't ask me why, but I have a little um, lap tray I bought at Hampton Inn had ages ago, probably 13, 14 years ago, um, that they um, that they sell, you know, as part of their um, branded stuff. And they had one in the room, and I asked about it. Oh yeah, we sell them. And she brings it out in the box, and there you go. So, so I have the I have the lap tray and. Um, I do have the TV on all the time when I'm working because surprisingly enough, that does not distract me in the least. So the TV's on, I'm sitting on the bed, the dog's laying here, and that's how I kind of do the vast majority of my work work, not the physical packing work. And then I go upstairs and do the packing and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, so Rhonda gets the next generation um, laptop. He then sells the oldest one, you know, the one he had, um, he usually sells it locally. He's really good at doing it. Um, I suggested he sell on Gazelle every single time, and then he ends up doing way better selling it locally. Um, same with our phones when we upgraded phones. He did really, really well. And I think there is also a bit of comfort for people when they, they come to pick up um, they come to pick up whatever it is they buy. They're coming into a bank since he works at a bank. So that kind of makes people feel more comfortable too that, you know, um, and he does have um, signed bills of sale and all that with the as is kind of stuff and people can check it out while they're there and everything. So, so I, that's what he'll, he will do with the, um, with the old one, which is probably 10 or 11 years old now. It was the last of the um, MacBooks that were 17 inch screens. Um, and I love the big screen on it, but it's really heavy and really slow now. I mean, yeah, it's like 10 years, 11 years old, so things change. Um, so, so look at uh, your financial situation. Look at stocking up on those things you know you will need um, moving into Q1. Um, for me, it's bubble envelopes for, um, for eBay sales. It'll be a case of packing tape. Um, and I have one particular brand I've been really happy with getting on um, eBay. I'll post it in the group um, because it sticks in the cold because I put the boxes on my front porch and it sticks in the cold. Um, so I really like it and it's very reasonably priced. So um, those kind of things. And interesting, since you now have that MacBook or iMac, Let's see. I bet you will keep it going far longer than four years. I really do. I think you will keep it going for quite, quite a while. Because as, as you've noticed, um, it just kind of does its work, you know, and you just do it, and that's it. So that's my little Apple pitch. Um, 
So, yeah, so Ed, I really do think so. So look at your equipment situation. Look at your supplies. Um, I, I'm not going to buy inventory that I don't think I can sell, like, right away. I'm not, I don't do long-term hold inventory. Now, that being said, there's a lot of people who do really, really well the day after Christmas buying ornaments, wrapping paper, you know, all the after-holiday stuff. Um, if that's in your wheelhouse, then you have to plan for that in your budget and plan the sales you're going to hit and um, plan where you're going to store it. Um, when you do store it, I can tell you, please make a Google Doc spreadsheet um, or an Excel spreadsheet and mark down exactly what you bought and where it is. Um, I have eight boxes in the garage of what I call overstock. It's the stuff I bought um, from the company that went, was going out of business and I had her make 12 of everything they had. Um, and I have a spreadsheet that tells me what's in each box so I can keep track of it. Because um, otherwise you will forget. You definitely will forget. And then next October rolls around and you don't know what you bought from last holiday sales to, to start listing again and all of that. And remember on the, the collect, Christmas collectible and ornament front, um, I have read that Hallmark is now a restrictive brand, so be careful. Um, I don't sell them, so I can't be 100% sure, but do your due diligence before you buy the branded kind of thing. But other collect Christmas stuff, I think it was Sherry who said she sold like a ton of Christmas stuff in June. Um, people buy Christmas all year round. Not in the quantities they do now, but they do. So don't, don't rule it out. I wouldn't send a ton into Amazon, but you know, one, you know, and keep them rolling in. Um, so there you go. You know, do your, your after Christmas shopping if that's in your wheelhouse. Um, I, I'm not a food seller either, so I don't know if there are opportunities to be had in the holiday-themed, you know, coffees and all that kind of stuff, but it's something to keep your eyes open for if it's, it's um, in your wheelhouse. Some people have said that they've done well buying calendars now because they're, like, they go really cheap as you get closer to Christmas, and people still buy them in the first of the year. Um, I, I don't have any experience, so you know that's one you'll just have to to um, to play with. So here's another thing I want you to do to plan for for Q1 and for all of next year is, if at all possible, I'd love to see everybody attend a trade show or a market. Um, but I think it will really, really open your eyes in a way um, about your business that you haven't been able to do if you are only sourcing through websites or, on, or uh, paper catalogs or things like that. So, um, so it'll take some research to find one that, that will fit what you do. But um, as I've said, there are always great – every niche in this world has its own trade show. Seriously. You name a niche and I can find you a trade show for it. Um, the problem for me is there's always too many. I want to go to them all because I really love them. And my two big trade shows, which are normally in January, um, they stupidly, and I, I said something at a, a member meeting at the last one, they scheduled them at the exact same four days, one in San Jose, California, and one in Phoenix, Arizona, on the same four days. And there was a huge crossover for people. Um, in these two groups. They're both put on by trade organizations. Um, and um, they schedule them at the same time. So I'm not going to either. You know, it was kind of like, it's too close to my trip in January, in February to Bora Bora. So I said, okay, I'm not going to go to either. But I've already scheduled my June trade show. Um, the One of the organizations has two of them a year. So I have already scheduled the June one, and I suggest you do that. Um, I, you could just Google TSNN Trade Show News Network.com and find lists of trade shows. Google whatever your niche is and put the word trade show after it and see com what comes up. Um, if you're already buying in that niche, ask one of your suppliers, hey, are there any trade shows you go to? Because odds are if one of your good suppliers goes to a particular show, there will be other suppliers there that will work for you. That will um, that will fit your niche, um, and that's how I found one of the shows that I go to now. 
is the the supplier says, yeah, we go to this one. And it's like, okay. Um, so that's where the relationships that you've built with your suppliers can help you find other stuff. So I would suggest really, really, really make an effort to find one. Um, you're very lucky if you live near a big city um, because odds are somebody's going to come there sometime that will work for you. But I have to travel to all of them. Um, fly. I've driven to one in Salt Lake City. Um, and um, that's, that's uh, an advantage. But, um, boy, if you can go, you will not believe how valuable it can be. And I think it was John, who um, UK John, who um, asked about ASD versus other shows and should he come from the UK to go to ASD. And I kind of had to say no on that one because ASD is a very, it's a very generalized show with a lot of unbranded stuff um, that is open to pretty much anybody. I could get my dog a badge to ASD, I bet. I bet Martha could get her dog a badge to ASD. So it's a really low barrier to entry. And those kind of shows that have that low barrier to entry that pretty much anybody can get in are not as good for you as a buyer than the shows that require more. The more a show requires you to produce to prove you're a real business, the better. And here's why. You keep out all the the bottom feeders, right? The people who are playing uh, fast and loose with, with the legalities of running a business, with their Amazon or eBay accounts and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but Martha has gotten a badge for her dog at ASCC. I told you. I told you. Um, so here's, uh, here's the thing. If, if my two shows require you to, the, my two favorites require you to be a member of their trade organization, okay, they're both in the arts and crafts field. And I just renewed one this morning. It was $165 a year. But, but then there's no entry fee to the show at all. And you get tons of other stuff. They have webinars about running businesses in this niche, and it's well worth it. So that's one barrier to entry. Um, another one may be, um, a show like Outdoor Retailer that's in Salt Lake City um, in a couple weeks, um, you don't have to join any trade organization, but you have to prove you're actually selling in that um, niche. So you have to show invoices in things that relate to outdoors. So it could be, it could be even just clothing. You know, It's not horribly difficult, but then again, it's another barrier in, to entry. So... Um, so they weed out the non-serious people. Um, and in shows like that that want invoices, if you're a new business, you just have to prove you're a new business that you haven't, you know, um, that you've registered within your business, like within six months or something like that, and, and or a letter from an attorney saying they just set them up. Each one is a bit different about what they require, but, um, but I would definitely say put it on your list. Um, Carolyn, yeah, selling snow boots would sure work. Yeah. I mean, this show, even outdoor retailer, has a pet section. So I'm sure if you sold dog stuff, you could say, yeah, here's three invoices for pet stuff, and I want to come see your pet things, you know, because they have pet camping stuff and doggy backpacks and all that kind of stuff. So um, so back to John's question about should he come, I say no. I would not put ASD at the top of my list if I was an Amazon seller. I would go to the niche shows where you are not going to have all that much competition on Amazon. Um, it may be um, a little more expensive, but I think your money will be well spent. Um, to be honest, I ended up with only one supplier from ASD, and it's been mediocre at best, whereas the, the niche show that I went to in um, Washington, D.C. in June or July, I can't remember which one it was, um, some of those um, things I found there are just doing, like, awesome. And I had no competition because they were new to market and the, just nobody found them. They're small, little, not exciting-looking products, but they're very cool. So, um, so, yeah, so that's my next thing is to prepare for next year. Get yourself to a trade show. Like Ellie said, she lives so close to New York. It's great, you know. Um, but like, like Ed, I'm sure Ed, Chicago is not that far, um, and there are tons of shows in Chicago. Um, you know, people who live in it in the the southeast, um, Atlanta, 
tons. I think I think it was Elizabeth who posted that she's going. Yeah, she's going to the Atlanta show in January. If anybody wants to meet up, so think about that. If like Casey may be close enough to get there. I think Casey's in Little Rock. Um, so trade shows, trade shows, trade shows. Add two and a half hours to Chicago. There's no excuse, Ed. You you need to get to a Chicago trade show. I'm telling you, you really do. Um, I would be like there every weekend because I'm such an addict. So um, we're going to try to hit one in Salt Lake City that's in March, um, Ron and I both. So um, so we'll see. And then I have my, Janu- my um, June one and then rolling around to January 18. We'll see what they do. If they book those at the same time again, I'll have to, to decide. Um, so, John, I'm betting that that up at the NEC and at Earl's Court, there are tons of trade shows um, that would relate to to you. And you'll just have to do a little research. You're an Oxfordshire, I think, right? So you're kind of stuck in the middle um, between them. But um, I think isn't NEC is the largest um, um, event space in my the UK, I believe. So anyway, I would look, do some Google research um, and see what you can find there. I know I watched the episode of The Apprentice UK where they had a big bridal show at the NEC and part of their thing was, you know, they had to have a booth and sell stuff to the buyers there. So um, it's probably like our convention centers in Vegas where shows move in and out all the time. So definitely... um, Bologna, Italy, John? Okay, that, yeah, that sounds better than Birmingham to me. I don't know about you. (laughs) So you're going to go to a trade show in Bologna. That's just awesome. Wow. Jealous, jealous, jealous. But so excited for you. That's fantastic. So um, there you go. So next May you've got one on the agenda. So no excuses, everybody. Um, Yeah, field trip to Italy. Yeah, well, I'll meet you there. (laughs) We'll have a meetup. That would be awesome because I just love Italy. Um, so trade show on the list. Um, and I'm going to, um, kind of waffle or hedge my bets here about the whole thing about your bookkeeping for the end of the year, because I don't know how well you guys are set up, whether you have a bookkeeper, a CPA or whatever, but now is the time to start getting things in order, meaning, you know, entries into QuickBooks, Whatever you need to do, start doing it now because I don't want you to stress like um, uh, next next January and February trying to get things done. Um, so just whatever bookkeeping system you have, um, get it in order. Um, I fortunately, the first thing I ever did when I started making real money was I hired a bookkeeper. Um, so that kind of thing is is like done for me. She doesn't pay my bills or any of that, but she puts all the numbers in the right form and all that kind of stuff. Um, and frees me up in measurable time because I, even though I know how to do it, um, I'm slow and I hated it. I absolutely hated it because if I was a penny off, I would spend like all day trying to find that penny. Um, so now I don't have to do it. I have somebody else who finds the penny for me. And I pay her a flat rate per quarter. And it's not cheap. I can't remember what it is, but I know it's not cheap, but it is so worth it. And then I have those reports. Um, Ron does his own bookkeeping, and then he gives me the numbers for his business. And then I do all the person stuff, and it gets UPS or FedEx off to our CPA, who's in Hawaii. Who's, uh, you know, I've had the same CPA since 1981. So I'm not I'm not ready to change. I, there is no benefit for me having one in Wyoming because there's no state income tax here. So it's not like I have somebody that needs to know Wyoming law and all that kind of stuff because I don't file anything here. And my um, state report, Wyoming requires a, a report um, if you're a registered business in the state of Wyoming. Um, for the previous year, it's due December 31st, but it's for like the one that's due in a month is for the year 2015. And they just want to know your gross sales. That's pretty much it because they don't collect tax, so, you know, income tax. So they just want to do that. So that's the Wyoming thing. It's really simple. Um, one reason why so many 
businesses um, incorporate here in Wyoming is it's it's cheap and it's easy. Um, so anyway, whatever you have to do on your bookkeeping, get it done. If you don't have a system, January of Q1 is when I want you to devote the time to putting a system in place, um, meaning a place to file your invoices, a place, you know, all that kind of things that a bookkeeping system means. It means, you know, proper tracking of income expenses, all that kind of stuff. So you can start off the new year with things in place so you can feel comfortable that your business is run like a business because it's all about the numbers, right? In the end, the the numbers are how you keep scoring whether you win or lose. And we just put either a dollar sign or John puts a pound sign in front of them and um, and that's how you figure it out. So whatever it takes to get the system in place, do it. Also, I want you, if you haven't done it already, to make sure you've done my things about running a real business, and that's register with your state, um, set up to file for sales tax, at least in your state. And we did a whole podcast with Mark from TaxJar about the other things. So if, you're, if you are unsure about what is recommended and what to do, look up that podcast um, with Mark from TaxJar. It'll give you a lot more details. But at the very least, you have to collect sales tax for your own state. It's like I sold $37 to Wyoming in the last month. So it's like not a big deal for sales tax filing for me. I do um, file in one other state um, because of um, Nexus things, but um, that's it for me. That's just what I'm doing right now because there's no, to me, no clear um, ruling on anything. So set yourself up. Make sure you're registered with your state, that you're filing sales tax, that um, you have a business bank account. And that means an account separate from your household accounts or whatever that's in your business name. Um, I don't pay anything for a business account because I have it set up where if I take, I think it's $50 out a month for my checking account and put it into a business saving account, there's no fee. And that's it. It's a simple little trick like that. So if you go in to set up a business account and your banker says, oh, it's going to cost this, be sure to ask them, are there any ways we can reduce those fees? So it could be minimum balance. For me, it's this balance transfer that happens automatically that just goes into another thing. Whatever it takes with your bank to set it up. So really, please have a business bank account. Um, you don't want to commingle personal and business funds. Um, your business is going to grow fast enough that you are then going to be hard-pressed to prove to the IRS whose money is what, and we don't want to get there. The other thing I really recommend, and um, some people may think I'm wrong, but that's okay because I'm recommending it, right? You guys want to know what it is. a business credit card, not a business debit card. You can have a business debit card too, but I really think a business credit card is vitally important. Um, for those people who won't give you net 30 terms or net 10 terms or whatever terms, it should be a business bank account or business credit card in your business's name, and you use it only for business things, okay? And I am of the mindset that mine is paid off at the end of the, at the, end of the month every time. Actually, I pay it off early because my American Express gives me a discount if I pay it early, but whatever it takes. Um, it's not something to get yourself into debt. It's not something to borrow money from because there are far cheaper places to get money for a business than a credit card. It is merely a tool of convenience. So you can make, um, yeah, and as always says, makes bookkeeping far easier. Everything on that Amex card is 100% business, 100%. So there's no question. I don't have to sit down and sort out wow, was this charge at Target for inventory? Was this charge for my personal stuff? It's just, just, you know, the IRS wants things clean and simple and the money not commingled. So let's, let's keep them happy. Um, I'm sure for John in the UK, it's Inland Revenue um, wants things clean and neat too. Um, so whatever it takes. So um, go in, talk to your banker. Um, build a relationship with your banker, um, it will make your whole business life easier. Because then 
if somehow some great deal falls into your lap and you need a line of credit for $10,000 for 60 days or whatever, if you've built a relationship with that banker or a banker at your bank, things will be far easier, trust me. I know that. My husband's a banker. So um, building a relationship is really, really, really important. Um, And then if you have any questions about your account, you have a phone number to call. You don't have to dial an 800 number to get to somebody in a call center who has no idea what you're talking about about your account. You'll have a little business card from your banker with his direct phone number, so you, his or her direct phone number, so you can call. So there you go. So that's your next step is to get your bookkeeping in place and get your business set up if you haven't already. So it is a real and professional business. Um, and then you use that credit card when you buy your inventory, when you buy your supplies and all that, and you make sure you pay it off at the end of the month. Um, I've been kind of tracking a really, really loose kind of number thing over the past six months, and that is I use one credit card for like 99% of my stuff. It's an American Express card. Um, The other 1% is for one vendor who doesn't take American Express. So, So I can take that. I can take the balance that's on my American Express card. And my goal is to keep it less than my two-week payout on Amazon. That's kind of, that's kind of this loose thing, right? Um, so if I paid for every expense for my business with one payout a month from Amazon, what's the other payout? That's the gravy money, right? That's just kind of the, the – um, and Elizabeth's probably going to shoot me because that's not like real bookkeeper kind of stuff. But to me, that's how I, I keep the numbers in my head loosely to see where I am. So if my Amex bill was 30000 I want to make sure one, that first payout in the month is at least that, or it's just kind of messed up my whole mental kind of calculation. So, um, so for you, it may be... 3000 whatever it is, but that's just how I keep track of it. Ron looked at me like I was kind of crazy, but, you know. Um, but to me, it's like, okay, I paid off the credit card now. Everything else is just crazy money. Um, and then I am very careful as I have, I have three business accounts. I have my working checking account. I have a reserve account, and I have a savings account. I only have the savings account because that's how I get my free business accounts because money transfers right in, $50 a month transfers into that from my checking account every month, and that gives me the free accounts. Um, my reserve account, I clean out, I don't clean out, I, I take a lot out of my checking account and put it in that reserve account because it's a higher yield account than, a, than the regular checking account, and that's um, um, how you can... Um, get a little bit more, like, you know, one-tenth of one percent in, um, um, in, uh, for your money. Okay, Elizabeth says she understands the line of thinking, and she kind of does the same thing. Okay, there you go. Um, and when you have asking, I still don't get how you pay yourself that you can pay your personal bills and have personal spending money. There is a tipping point in your sales where you just have to sell enough at enough of profit to be able to do that. Um, and Wendy, I don't know if you listened to that podcast or webinar. It was a live, the TV show one, where we talked about know your numbers. Um, there was a whole calculation section in there where we started out with how much do you want to take out of your business every month, okay? And you pick a number. And then we go through and calculate how much you have to sell, et cetera, to get to that point. So if you haven't watched it, Wendy, please, please watch it because it will, um, it will give you those, those figures. And it's kind of scary to know. You have to sell a lot more than you think you do. Um, but it's also really, really, really goal-setting. So watch it again, Wendy, and see. And then plug those numbers in um, and see where you want to see if it works for you. And if it doesn't, come back in the group and ask questions in the group, because I am with the feeling that if one person has a question, more than another one has it in the group. And that's why when some people private message me, I'll ask, post it in the group, because I know somebody else will want to know this too. Um, so, so there you go. Um, Wendy, I think that's why we're all in business, is to be able to pay all our bills. That's why I am, because I don't have another job. This is it. So, um, 
So, um, so let's do the numbers, come back to the group, and see, see where we're at on it, okay? Um, and so, hold on, we had another question oh, about what accounting software. John asked what accounting software. He's zero. Um, and Sherry said she started with zero but switched to QuickBooks because that's what her bookkeeper prefers. I know my bookkeeper uses QuickBooks, um, and that's all I can say. I used to use Quicken. Okay, that's how long ago it was when I did it. There was Quicken for Mac, and that's what, what I, um, what I um, used. So I think the consensus is most everybody I know is using QuickBooks. Um, Ron uses GoDaddy, as Ed does. So there you go. Um, he uses GoDaddy also. Though he has found it, it t some stuff double posts in GoDaddy or something he said, and he has to go in and clean stuff up periodically. Um, don't know. So um, I'm reading questions in chat here. Do, 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 do. Um, okay, so we got some meetups happening in Atlanta. Awesome. So um, I have to tell you, having met the, I think it was six people from the group in um, Seattle. It's the most awesome thing. You know, Martha was there and Sherry was there and Ellie and Jen and I can't remember who else was there. Pardon me if I've missed anybody. Um, okay, so let's see, Wendy has a question. Um, my question wasn't so much about the numbers. It was more if you only use your money for business, how do you, and it got cut off for me. So Wendy, ask it in the chat room or in the, the Facebook group. Um, I am, I am the, the person who is really um, uh, by the book about the expense thing. I don't expense anything out for my business that isn't a real business expense. I take the home office deduction because we can prove that room is not used for anything else. Um, but um, for the, um, the money that goes to me, as Ed said, it's an owner withdrawal is what, I use, what, it, what my bookkeeper and accountant calls. She calls it owner draw. So like um, when I wanted to take out 5000 per deposit um, on the hotels and the plane tickets for a trip, it was called an owner withdrawal. Um, so, and Ed, yeah, Ed's an accountant, so he would know too. So um, there you go. Let's see. Okay, Q1 again. Now, Q1 is, is how you are going to set yourself up for the whole year. It really is. So um, I want everybody to do what Ed did and clean up your workspace because you would not believe, like after Christmas, after all that, that, that week between Christmas and New Year's, spend the time, clean up your workspace, organize your inventory, throw away stuff. I just spent about six hours over the past week going through my attic, which is not really an attic. It's, um, it's above the garage, and it's a storeroom off my studio. That's like, it's, it's not five foot eight tall because I can't stand up straight in it, so it's low. But it's drywalled in, and it has some vinyl flooring, cause, and it has a little munchkin door. It has a half-height door because it's like on a knee wall. And um, when we, the house was being built, the plans were already in place and we couldn't change anything, but they were just going to close that up. And I said, no, make it like where I can put junk. So, yeah, it becomes a junk storage, um, store boxes there and everything. So I went through and threw away a ton of stuff. I mean, ton of stuff um, to get rid of things that, you know, when I moved, I moved into this house, we moved, Ron and I moved in here in 2002, so 14 years. And if I haven't used it in 14 years, uh, I don't think so. So all those jeans that I thought I was going to fit back into, nah, they went to the thrift store. Um, tons of stuff. Um, and it, it's in bins and labeled. And I need to spend probably another day going through and just get, getting rid of it. It is such a freeing feeling to get rid of stuff and pass it on to someone who can actually use it. Into, instead of ever thinking I'll fit into a size six pair of jeans again, you know, um, that isn't going to happen. So, um, so there you go. So Carolyn has an attic. You need to look um, and see what you can store in there. I am not a fan of storing things in plastic or in paper boxes. I put them in plastic bins um, to keep damp out, to keep bugs out, to keep critters out and all that. And here is the big secret. Label it. You will never remember what's in it, even though you think you will. 
so label it. I have to say I got rid of a bunch of stuff too that I thought I was going to sell on eBay, and I know I'm never going to get around to making listings for one-off stuff. I'm just I'm not. I'm not even making new listings for multiples that I could reorder. So, so I just put it in a box and it went to the thrift store. Um, got my little receipt, books, DVDs that you know. It's like no, I'm not selling these DVDs on Amazon anymore. Um, too risky. These were penny books on Amazon, so they all went to the thrift store. So it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, Elizabeth and Ed both said it does give you a better attitude, and it does. Ma- it makes me feel calmer. I don't know about everybody else, but I feel I feel lighter, and that's a weird way to see. It's like even though it's in the attic, and I don't see it unless I open the door and walk in there. You just kind of know it's there. It's this kind of psychic weight of crap, you know, and. Um, I am always good about cleaning off my desk. I spend like two minutes when I'm done working for the day, put the pencils back in the cup, put the ruler where it goes, straighten up the tape dispenser, put the bags that I haven't used back in their holder, all that, so I'm ready to go in the morning. Um, That two minutes at the end of the day really means that when you walk in your office, you feel a lot better. And I don't mean to pick on Ed, but Ed spent a ton of time earlier this year organizing his dungeon, his... um, basement workspace. And he immediately said he found inventory he forgot he had that he's selling now. He had double ordered boxes and didn't realize it. So part of his thing was getting all his boxes organized. So he saved money there by having, you know, knowing what he had inventory wise, um, both product and supplies. Um, So yeah, spend the time, spend that week between Christmas and New Year's when things are a little calmer and all of that. And you know, even if you spend 15 minutes a day doing one drawer or one box of stuff or whatever, just spend the 15 minutes a day. I, I, it doesn't need to be a marathon, but, but do it. Um, yeah, it, yeah. if you want to look back on Ed's original video, it's in the Facebook group of his dungeon. And, and he did a whole video, walked around his space, and then he got assignments from me every couple of days, depending on how much work he had to do, um, on stuff he could do to clean it up. And I have to say the first one is one everybody could do easily, and that's throw away all your cans that are sitting on the uh, the desk, your, your uh, granola bar wrappers, your beer cans, uh, the soda can, and take all the cups and take them up to the kitchen and wash them and put them away. So, yeah, so it, that was a lot. I had so much fun with that. So I'm going to give everybody a challenge. If you have a workspace that you want, kind of revamp or a storage space or whatever, do what Ed did, post a vi- or take a video on your phone, um, slowly pan through the area, do a voiceover talking about what's there and what's there and why it's a problem. Um, we did it with Shelly too, though she did pictures, not videos, but we got a lot of stuff cleaned up. And we'll, the group will help you, you know, because fresh eyes are an amazing thing when it comes to that. It's like you and I walk into our workspace and it's our workspace. We look at it every day, and we don't see the things that other people will see. Um, I have found one thing that, that really helps me is consolidation. So, um, so that means putting everything that relates together. So like I keep on hand um, both black and clear DVD cases, empty DVD cases, um, because sometimes I get ones from this, my supplier that are cracked or damaged and um, the supplier writes those off, I get to keep them. So I open them up and put them in a new DVD case and sell them as used like new. They've been open, so I'm not going to say they're brand new. Um, So I have found just getting those out of their individual shipping boxes and putting them in one box. I use banker's boxes and smart DVD cases. I know they're all there. I don't have to remember which box, box has the black ones and which box has the clear ones. So that consolidation thing, putting like with like, um, really, really helps um, in your workspace. You know, I have a drawer in one of those plastic drawers. How do I describe it? It's those plastic drawers that you can get at like Costco and every pretty much everywhere else. I think I got these on Staples. And you can... Um, they say I have bigger drawers on the bottom and smaller ones on the top. Like I have all my 
office supply overstock. So when I go to Costco and buy Post-it notes or whatever, they all go in there together. It says Post-it notes on this one. This one says pen, pencils, and Sharpies. Um, you know, they, staples and um, uh, paper clips and binder clips are in another drawer. So if I run out at my desk, then I know where to go and find them. I don't have to, to, to remember where did I put those. So like with like labeling. Every time I don't label something, I regret it. If I say, I'll label it later, I regret it. I mean, for a lot of plastic bins, I just take, you know, um, the UPS labels and write on that and stick it on there because they're handy, you know. Um, people, I, I don't spend the time to use a label maker because the more time you have to spend to make a label, the less apt you are, um, you are less likely to act actually label it. It's like people who have to type on their file folder tab things, you know, the file folder labels, they won't get to it then. So I write in Sharpie on them and then stick it on the folder. So that kind of thing. Whatever you can do to make it easier for you. So don't make it harder and don't think, oh, I'll remember what's in that box. No, you won't. I can trust me. You won't. You won't remember in a week because you look at boxes all day. Everything's boxes, boxes, boxes. Um, and I found I really like the um, plastic bins I got at Costco a couple months ago. They're the ones that have the attached lids that flip down and they kind of interlock in the top, and then you can stack them. I don't know if you guys know what I'm describing. The lid is not separate. It's attached to the, um, to the plastic bin. Um, I love that because then you can't lose the lid. You don't set the lid down and figure out where it is, and they stack really nicely. The only thing is I wish they weren't, they're slightly tapered at the bottom, so the top is wider. And to me, that's a little bit of wasted space. If they went straight down, it would be perfect. But, you know, I didn't invent them, so what can I say? So um, we pick up a few of those, whatever we have room for, every time we go down to Costco. And, and like in our garage, they're in there labeled. Like winter shoes go in, um, those in the summer, because we don't need access to them. And... You know, got one for, like, garden stuff and all that. And they're all labeled sitting on the shelf. Um, so Deborah says, if you're storing product, put quantity and price you paid on the outside of the box. Yeah, and I'd go so far as, say, um, have a spreadsheet for if it's, if it's inventory and then number the boxes and on the spreadsheet write what number the box the thing is in. So if you're doohickeys, you have 24 doohickeys in a box, you know, and that's the first one, market box one, and then on a spreadsheet, put box one, 24 doohickeys, and all of that. So um, I've had to start doing that kind of thing since I, I bought that stuff to kind of hold. Um, you didn't have to worry about it before. And Ron has, um, he's doing it in Google Docs. A lot of the returns he got when the free return period was last month, um, he's holding that stuff to send in later because it's still good stuff. He just had too much of it there. And he's made a spreadsheet so he knows what he has of each of them. And then as he sees he's running low, he can go back. Um, okay, so good point, Deborah. So she wouldn't do it if she had to go to a spreadsheet. Well, there you go. So you know what? You do what works for you, right? There is no one way to do it. If that works, awesome. Um, I am. I I have started using my tablet more um, for stuff, though I still default to the laptop. It's funny how, um, like I don't, you know, certain things, I don't want my mail on a whole bunch of different devices. So I don't even have mail set up on my desktop computer and I don't have it set up on my tablet. I have it on my phone and my laptop because I don't want to remember which mails I've read, which I've answered, which I haven't. So I just know there's only two places to go for mail. Um, so, yeah, whatever works for you. So does anybody, as we're winding down here, um, one, one, oh, one big thing, inventory calculation. December 31st, you have to know for your bookkeeper, your accountant, whatever, what you have in inventory value at the end of the year. Um, so a lot of people just go into Amazon and take a snapshot. Um, other people find roundabout ways to get it from reports, though I don't think there's an easy way. If you use Inventory Lab, that makes it much simpler to figure out. That's how I do it. Ron does it on December 31st. He gets a um, 
list of what he has in stock and then figures it out from there. So just remember, December 31st, you have to know the value of your inventory um, that you have, not only at Amazon, but at home. So I have to do my eBay inventory, my Amazon inventory, and then the inventory that's sitting here that is not listed anywhere. So you have to have those numbers as of December 31st. So make sure you do it. Yeah, Deborah says, um, I, yeah, Inventory Lab, that, the first year I used it, it's like, oh, my God, it just saved me like three hours of messing around and all that kind of stuff. And you have to figure out what you have at home, too. Though um, what I did, and I'll tell you, if anybody's using Restart Pro, I think Elizabeth might be using Restart Pro. Carolyn has it but isn't using it. What I did, in, Restart Pro has a thing called local inventory. And I made up a purchase order for the stuff I had here. And then that entered it into Restock Pro as local inventory. And then I know exactly what I have here. So it'll be just a few button pushes to, to figure out that. So if you use Restock Pro, that's an option for the things you have. You have here that, that aren't there um, is your, that local inventory option. It doesn't work for the eBay stuff. It's only for Amazon. But... Uh, but yeah, so get that number in place. So any questions anybody have in chat while well, we have a couple minutes before the top of the hour, any questions about setting stuff up, about what you need to plan for? Um, Wendy's going to check her numbers from the podcast and then ask questions. Um, and the big thing, Wendy, is that an owner's draw is a perfectly legal thing to do in your business. You just have to classify it as that, that you took the money out. Um, so um, if there's no questions, um, Elizabeth, I'm sure since you use Restart Car, you know what I mean about doing a purchase order and then doing it to local inventory instead of cross-stock. If you have any questions, let me know. And um, I'll help you out. I actually also did it with some stuff I had returned from Amazon. I had a bunch of DVDs that I had too many of. So when they came back, I just made up a purchase order for them and put them in local inventory. So now I can restock from that um, part. So since there's no other questions, um, I'll let you all uh, How do you set goals? Okay, um, JL, how do you set financial goals for the year if you're still acquiring wholesalers? Um, I started when I really got rolling um, and serious on Amazon is I set percentages, um, growth percentages. Um, and they were not immodest, but they weren't crazy. I think the first time I wanted to like um, double my sales, but I was selling so little it wasn't that hard to do. Um, and then, okay, there becomes a point where you can't double every year without scaling other things, meaning employees and all that kind of stuff. And um, for those of you who've listened for a while, you know I have certain parameters. I do not want a warehouse, and I do not want employees. I'm okay with, like, my bookkeeper and stuff like that, but I don't want somebody having to come here and that I have to supervise. Those are my, my personally set limits on my business that I don't want to do. So because of that, it's going to – well, my growth, right? Or, and there's only so far I can get, but those were my things. So, um, so the first couple of years, I could double every year because I wasn't doing that much and growing from 50 to 100,000 with wholesale is not that hard. Um, there's certain points where, where it was, it would get, things would get stuck and I can see it with Ron and I can see it with some of the people I coach. 100,000 seemed to be a sticking point that you really had to push for new wholesalers or new product lines from your existing wholesalers, and you had to streamline your workflow to push past that one, meaning you had to have, you know, the, a good impulse sale. You had to have the right bags. You had to have the boxes. You couldn't just, like, um, excuse my language, half-ass it anymore. You had to do it right at that point, okay? Before that, you could kind of get scraped by with a lot of stuff. So that, that 100000 was a point. For me, another one was 250000 When I hit there and was moving past it, I really had to become more efficient. And that, that for me was Angie, our dear Angie, um, kicking my butt to get inventory lab set up. And that, one, that helped a lot. Um, and that was the, about the time I got the bookkeeper and all that. So, okay, so I've outsourced that stuff. And that's when I really got serious about going to trade shows. 
that, you know, I had to get more products. I was not working full time. So I knew I could do more if I had more products. It was just so I had to really, really be serious about the trade shows and find the new products. Um, and then the next, the next um, stepping point seems to be the half a million point also, um, that you have to then move into more expensive. If you're not going to get a warehouse and employees, I'm talking about a single person doing this business, you have to become even more efficient. So you'll have to look into more software solutions. Restock Pro, because you guys know how I hate getting the software stuff. Right? I hate it. Uh, re- I have to say Restock Pro was the kick I needed this year um, because I have, without getting a new supplier, I, have, I know right now I have started out, it was like 4000 a month that I was leaving on the table. It's probably, it would have been, Ten or fifteen thousand a month now that I was leaving on the table without it. So that's something to look forward in the future. As time becomes more and more and more precious, you have to find ways to become more efficient. So for me, it was inventory lab came first, and restock pro came second. The bookkeeper was in there too, um, and the hitting the trade shows to find more wholesalers. So if you are at the fifty thousand, say you're selling fifty thousand dollars a year. You're just getting started with their wholesalers. I think, JL, you could easily say, I'm going to double that next year, whether I find new wholesalers or I find new product lines from the wholesalers I already have. That point, and then when you hit the 100, if you feel that there are things you can do to be more efficient, um, to spend your time more wisely, and you have the cash to do it, you could double again in the next year. Um, so that puts you at 200000 You could easily push past that if you have the time and the capital to do it. So that's just kind of where where I was and am um, with the business. Um, and if you want to, if you have the capital and you have the ability to find a office space and want to hire somebody to process, you know, and are willing to supervise and train them, that may be a push if time is your most critical thing. For me, it wasn't time. It was just getting myself organized and being serious and not being scared of the bigger orders, you know? I mean, I remember when I first started, a $500 order scared the crud out of me. Like, $500, what have been the sales and all that kind of stuff? And some of it didn't. That's what happened. But a lot of it did, and I rolled that money back in and finally got to the point where, you know, um, it um, it becomes less scary and you're willing to take bigger risks on it too. And that is, um, goes with trusting your gut on products. And that's where I have found I have been far more successful than not if I trust my gut on a product line. I'm Not to say I have two dogs. I have two dogs that I was just like totally wrong on. Um, but didn't invest very much money to learn I was wrong but I have had far more successes. So as you learn your niche and understand your products, um, you will become more and more successful in making the good purchases and just keep, just keep, keep at it, you know, keep the faith. There are days and we're going to talk about them on thrifting for profit where you just cannot believe this is happening, that this is just insane. Um, but you just got to push through it and, and go. So I hope that helped. And, if you want to ask questions in the group, please do about setting those goals. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you remember when we did the the webinar about numbers, JL. Um, but go back and look at that one because it was one where the only one where I actually did PowerPoint slides for it because um, because it was the numbers are there and you got to see them and do it. So um, revisit those and see where you need to go and if you can get there. And that important one that went that I talked to Wendy about was how much do you want to take out of your business every month and what do you have to do sales-wise, purchasing-wise, et cetera, to get there. And that's the big thing is you have to buy the stuff to sell the stuff. So, yeah, Deborah says thrifting for profit is going to be story time for tales of woe. I think it's going to be very cathartic because I got a couple of good ones from this week. So, anyway, so I'll let you all go. Um, We'll see – all of you, I hope, on Thrifting for Profit in 56 minutes' time here on Talk Shoe. Um, and then we will be back in two weeks' time 
Um, Kathy Yates is going to be our guest um, because she's dealing with brand registry, brand gating issues, and she is trying to help her supplier um, protect their brand on Amazon. And we're going to talk about what we as third-party sellers can do um, to help protect our wholesalers' brands because for the most part, we know way more about Amazon than they do, and that's where we can come in handy and probably help ourselves too. And we'll talk about all that kind of thing, um, about um, how you can help. We've done it, Ron and I have done it separately with, with our suppliers. One of them ended up getting a full-time employee just to manage their brand on Amazon, but it helped them a lot because it protects their name, and their name is all they really have. So, so we'll see you on Thrifting for Profit in 55 minutes, and we'll see you back on this podcast in two weeks' time. And in the meantime, we'll see you in the Facebook group. Remember, no question is a silly question because if you have it, I can guarantee you more than one other person in the group has it. And if I don't know it, I'll say I don't know it, but I'll find out. So anyway, take care, guys. We'll talk to you later, and have a great rest of Q4. Bye-bye now.